The Cozy Robot Show. Hey, Cozy Robots. I'm Mike McCarg. And I'm Grace Vaughn. Welcome to the Cozy Robot Show, a program about empathetic skepticism, how we get to know our feelings and relate to other people's feelings and learn to think critically about our world and our media, combining our thoughts and our feelings into better lived experiences. We're so glad you're here. And listen, 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 listen. If you're the kind of person who's listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify later and you usually skip the beginning. Or if you're the kind of person who's on a live stream, you're like, is this entertaining enough? Let me bounce around. I need something stimulating immediately. Stop. Slow down. Mm. Tonight's going to be different, and tonight's going to be special. Uh, we are talking about self-empowerment this evening, um, and uh, something that Grace and Victory cooked up and have talked to you all about already. I'm getting caught up, and uh, as we're doing that, we're trying something new. You know, I've I've been a podcast for a long time, and uh, there's something I know about being a podcaster for a long time is that I'm a terrible interviewer. I mean, really, like <laughs> one of the worst interviewers of all time. I'm also not a particularly talented show host. So oh, at the Cozy Robot Show, we have invited Victory along and Grace along mm. to be a part of the program and let me kind of focus on what I do best is kind of responding to other people. So you'll notice that Grace takes a really active role in hosting and moderating our program. We also care about highlighting amazing people on this program. That's something I used to try to do with interviews very awkwardly and very poorly. And lately <laughs> we've been trying something new, which is to bring on guest co-hosts, people who are dynamic and brilliant and wise and frankly, the people that Grace and Victory and I learn from anyway. We figure, like, why just have us tell you what they said when they can tell you what they say? Mm -hmm. And so tonight, I am absolutely over the moon with excitement to introduce you to our guest co-host, Courtney Leak. Courtney is a LCSW and an LISW-CP. And Courtney's a dynamic psychotherapist, wellness curator, and empowerment speaker. Courtney specializes in working with those who've experienced trauma, grief, and loss, attachments disorders, relationship complications, and the mental health needs of marginalized populations. Listen, we're thrilled that Courtney is here. Courtney has taught me as much as any other person in my life about being whole and about being empathetic and being centered in myself, caring myself in a way in the world that allows me to care for myself and care for other people. So it is my absolute pleasure and sincere honor to welcome Courtney Leak to the Cozy Robot Show. Courtney, thank you for being here. Hi, everybody. Hi, Cozy Robots. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm literally like my hands are trembling a little bit and I don't think it's anxiety because I don't really get anxious about doing the show. And I'm not nervous. I really think um, that I'm just so excited that you're here and we get to talk with you and I get to introduce you to all our friends and listeners uh, on this program. So, Courtney, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. I'm so excited about tonight's topic, Courtney. Uh, for those listening on the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get your pods, or here tonight with us live, we are talking about self empowerment tonight. Um, and without further ado, if it's okay with y'all, I'm going to jump into questions. Grace, you're in charge. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, all right, so let's just start with the very basics. What, uh, Courtney, what is self-empowerment? What does it mean? Maybe that's not a very basic question. Maybe it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but Chelsea on our private discord asks, what does self-empowerment truly mean? Mm, so for me, self-empowerment means being courageous enough to choose yourself. Mm. And then once you have chosen yourself, once you have cared for yourself, once you've put yourself back together in the ways that you have been harmed and wounded and acknowledge that, once you've made amends, once mm -hmm. you know who you truly are, protecting the hell out of that person mm -hmm. as you walk through the world. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
Wow, that lands that lands in a good heavy way. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Luke Pabst on Twitter asks, does it work? Does self-improvement work? <laughs> this guy, Luke, just wants to right. get you. I like it, Luke. I like it. And Luke, my <laughs> promise to you is if I ever figure out how to just get to it, I will package it and give you a coupon code. I promise you. If I find an easier way to do this damn thing, I will let y'all know. For a price. No, I'm just kidding. No, I will let y'all know. Seriously, because it's hard work. Because Mm. self-improvement really means self-compassion, self-esteem, self-love, radical self-love, unapologetic self-love, truth Mm. speaking, doing the responsible thing with your pain. Because I tell people all the time, your pain isn't your fault. You did not visit that trauma upon yourself. But once pain is visited upon us, the sucky truth is it's our responsibility. I don't get to take Mm -hmm. my pain and use it as a bludgeon to project my pain onto others. If it's mine, it's my responsibility. And Mm -hmm. I have to be willing to do the work around that pain so that I'm not spreading it out in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair. It's not fucking fair. And it's mm-hmm. still the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's funny you say that because um, I would always, for most of my life, first as a friend or family member, later as a public figure, um, I would use my pain to connect with other people, mm-hmm. to be compelling. The pain was real. The trauma was genuine. But I would kind of um, use it as a battery mm. uh, to create an emotional energy that I effectively used to manipulate people. Mm. You know, I would uh, I kind of got my start in, in uh, public media talking about faith transitions and faith losses. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading uh, a statistic that. You know, when people were going through a faith transition, their risk of death by suicide was significantly elevated. And I thought, well, that's terrible. I'm going through a faith transition myself. I've certainly dealt with some suicidal ideation. This has to stop. Mm -hmm. But because I wasn't yet radically self-loving, because I wasn't yet grounded in myself or even moving toward that, I thought the solution was to parade my own painful stories and experiences to convince other people to change their patterns of behavior and being, right? Mm -hmm. It's a laudable goal to try to get people to be kinder to people in faith transition, but the methods I employed, well, they weren't good for me emotionally, and they would often create a a less than adapted dynamic between me and media audiences. Mm. And um, when I think about self-empowerment and does it work and what does that mean? I think about the difference between accessing our emotions as a means to an end Mm -hmm. and accessing our feelings as a way of helping us learn about ourselves and our relationship to others and our relationship to the world. I, I think about the difference between um, seeking uh, good relational patterns with people so they'll like you more or seeking re- good relational patterns um, because you like yourself. Yes. It's almost hard to pull apart because – when we're often struggling with self-empowerment, we're not bad people. Right. We're not uh, We're not trying to hurt ourselves or hurt other people. And the distinction here can be very subtle until you kind of walk around in it a little mm-hmm. bit, get a taste of another way where you find that actually caring for yourself and really paying attention to yourself allows you to enter into relationships in a way that gives you access to um, to actual intimacy. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I can't show you what I'm ashamed of. 
Mm-hmm. And so until I've done the work of getting the shame off of every part of me and every part of my story, I can't show it to you clearly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put a spin on it. But once I'm able to do that and move into my story, like without the shame attached, just like, yes, this is what it is. This is who I've been. And I love her all the way through it because she deserves it. Maybe if she had been loved earlier, sooner, some of that stuff wouldn't have even happened. So that means the answer is love. <laughs> it's not to beat her up because she didn't do it then. It's, oh, was not being loved well what caused you to move in that direction? Oh, then let me love you right now. Let me do it right this second. Let me not have you wait for my love ever again. If no one else can love you well, I promise you it'll be me. And Mm. then that energy, the way you move through the world, other people will see it and they'll want it. There's a difference in connecting with people through pain and connecting with people through healing. Mm. It's, ooh, it's, you can almost, it feels, there's a different texture to it even. Man, put that on a (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt. Real. Courtney and Mike, you both mentioned, so we're talking about love right now, and you both mentioned radical Mm -hmm. Mm self-love. This is a question from me. Um, What is, what does radical self-love look to both of you in your lives? Mm. (laughs) Oh, for me, it looks like knowing me, knowing all the parts of me, knowing really clearly what's going on in my shadow side, um, being really mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. about how I show up when I'm afraid, because how I show up when I'm afraid is usually the parts of me that hurt other people. Like, I love that analogy of like, if you see a little kitten that's lost and scared, like kind of in the corner, some of the kittens are going to come to you and they're going to be like, oh, meow, meow. And some of the kittens are going to claw your face off. Neither kitten is less scared. Right. I'm a claw your face off kitten. Mm-hmm but that's because I'm scared. Mm. And so figuring out those parts of me really being in connection and relationship with all the parts of me. And then, like I said before, like vowing to protect, vowing to parent. If there are some parts of me that are very young and need some nurturing, that's my job. And I do it because I love those parts of me and I do it unapologetically. Mm. Radical self-love is very new to me. And so being asked about it feels like uh, interviewing a toddler who just took their first steps about marathon running. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, I did take three steps yesterday. So in theory, you would do that for a long time. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. But literally, that's it. You've already answered it. That's the answer. Take the steps and do it for a long time. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I have a lot of, have had a lot of challenges with self-esteem and self-worth in my life. Um, you know, based on being undiagnosed, um, autistic child and, uh, struggling with my weight my whole life and not having a classically masculine presentation for a straight man. It, you know, it's just all these things growing up in the South. I didn't fit in really well. And so I had a lot of bullying and I internalized a lot of that. And um, this is all not leading to a long story. Don't worry. This is all to answer that radical self-love thing. Here's why I say it. I got to the point where I was proud of who I was as an adult, which means I was pleased with my collection of coping strategies. They presented a good front. They allowed me to be successful. They allowed me to find social belonging. But when I would look at a picture of myself as, say, a six- or eight-year-old child, I would think, look at that little dork. Just I couldn't stand Mm -hmm. thinking of myself as a child. I hated (laughs) myself as a child. And my journey of self-love was learning to see the unbroken line between that child who I despised and the adult me who I respected. Mm. And the fact that I am I'm very empathetic and very compassionate. And the reason, like, I can't stand not only bullying, but oppression. 
right? Oppression mm-hmm. is like a systematized form of bullying in mm-hmm. some ways. All those things mm-hmm. are because of that eight-year-old kid's experiences and learning to fall in love with and appreciate that child. You know, if I look at not only, well, I'll, I'll answer it. When I look at a picture of the child, I adore him, mm-hmm. which means now when I look in a picture of myself or I look in the mirror, I adore me. Mm-hmm. Those, those things are connected. And, uh, but it's changed my life in pretty profound ways, you know, interpersonally. You, I'm not so afraid of rejection yeah. because at the end of the day, I'm going to accept me. And as I uh, learn to move through the world and I understand, you know, intersection of identity and, and the kinds of marginalizations people experience because of different forms of identity, I no longer feel threatened by that. I feel like I am going to do my part in making it better. And if I make mistakes, I'm also not afraid of making a mistake because I love me and I know where I'm coming from and I don't worry about my intent, which means I can focus on my impact. And all those things are so related, not just related, stem from that core ability to love the self. You know, one thing I encounter a lot with cozy (laughs) robots, Courtney, Mm -hmm. is people start learning, oh, wow people's life experiences are very different and I don't know what to do about it. Mm. And then they will start to read and learn and they'll say, gosh, I keep hearing people say, do the work. Yes. You can't yes. help until you do the work. And what does that mean? And I think part of what it means is learning that radical self-love. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was some, talk just now, Mike, uh, you mentioned oppression and that brings us right into this next question. Sweet. It's Hank dude on Instagram asks, how do we find a good balance? Knowing our self empowerment may limit someone else's. Another question that goes along with this one, electric Ned on our private discord asks, how can a person historically given more privilege embrace a healthy and constructive attitude to self-empowerment without taking up space needed by those who have been historically disempowered? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Whew. Yeah. Cause it's such an important question. Um, I, I think the answer really is expansion. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do believe there's enough. Mm-hmm. I really believe there's always been enough, you know? And mm-hmm. the problem hasn't been that space has been taken up. Like, that there just hasn't been enough space created. When people tried to create their own spaces, those spaces were um, not allowed in. Mm-hmm. And that is why there then became a deficit. You know what I mean? We, you know, they're always Mm. like more seats at the table. I'm like, we don't need a fucking table. There's enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there's enough. And so if you are only doing your part, like if you're just empowered to do what you're called to do, then you shouldn't be taking up anyone else's space. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have access to space and there's more room to give and you choose not to share it, I think we got to be real careful about that. We have to be really careful about how much space we feel like we need. Right. Versus how much space we have. And there are some of us who have more space than they need and they're not willing to share it. Mm. And when there are opportunities to share it, they find reasons not to share it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I think that and that requires a lot of honest Real being very honest with yourself. What are the ways that I am not sharing the space that I have that's separate of what I need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Courtney, that's so evocative. And it it makes me think, as you kind of say, the space we have and the space we need. Mm-hmm. I've thought a while 
that we actually, if we talk about self-empowerment, empowerment and entitlement aren't the same thing. And it, entitlement's mm. not a bad word. I actually mm-hmm. think there are mm-hmm. things every person is entitled to. I agree. <laughs> so, do, I, I can say entitlement and some people are going to immediately go, oh, if entitlement, that's a bad word, bad, bad, bad. No. Um, there, But there are entitlement and there's empowerment. And a lot of people are entire, entitled and not empowered. Um, but when I think about the space we have and the space we need, a lot of what I think about, I'll speak from like my, my lane, my neighborhood, which is white men. We white men enter a space. We tend to take up a lot of space for our bodies. We like if you look at the mm-hmm. way men will enter a room, especially white men. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they sit down, they might in a public space put their arm over the seat next to them. They'll mm-hmm. spread their knees very wide so their hips are comfortable, which is fine. Everybody wants comfortable hips. I get it, mm-hmm. right? But there's this spreading move. We take up a lot of space with our bodies. We don't need all that space. We kind of claim it. I don't want anybody sitting too close to me. I want my room. We tend to take up a lot of a room with our assumed authority or power. We want to speak first. We want to interrupt whenever we feel like we have something to say. Why? Because we've been socialized our entire lives that that's what we're supposed to do. We assume everyone's doing that. We don't notice anyone else is being interrupted or spoken over because, of course, they'll just take their power the way we've been socialized to, not understanding that other people face consequences for the very same behaviors. So that's too much space. It's more than we need. Mm -hmm. But this Mm -hmm. this this is very important to me. We actually need white men to take up more space with their feelings, yeah, with their awareness of self, with their relational connection to other people. We're not actually asking anybody to withdraw and be minimized. We're asking everyone, and I use white men as an example only because I am a white man. There is some version of this Mm -hmm. that's true for everybody. We are inviting people to take up more spaces in the ways that allow us to know ourselves and relationally connect with other people and less space in the way that you're moving through the world kind of interferes with other people's ability to do the same. Right. Um, and, you know, when I, I can't think of self-empowerment without also thinking of like collective equity. Right, because if it, mm-hmm. if our self empowerment doesn't lead to more equity for others, what we're really talking about is a an unfair entitlement, kind of masquerading as self empowerment. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, wow, my transition was literally going to be speaking of self empowerment. That <laughs> it's been a long Monday. I, well, there you go. Grace, listen, Grace, I got to stop you. (laughs) Yes, please do. Grace, you do a really good job. Thank you. And I'm going to. Courtney and I, in a lot of ways, have easier jobs, and we just respond while you are reading public comments and sorting through notes, and you are very, very busy, and I'm grateful for you. Thank you. That makes my heart feel good when you say that to me. (laughs) Um, MK on our private Discord asks. Assuming the concept of self-empowerment means that one's power originates from within one's own self, how might someone who persistently struggles with intrinsic motivation practice self-empowerment? Asking for a friend, dot, dot, dot. That friend is me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think recognizing that that is probably a learned behavior that that is possibly a trauma response mm-hmm. that we are all motivated. You know what I mean? Like we are all like, like babies do the things <laughs> without little prompting. Mm-hmm. Like no baby has been like, Oh, I wonder if I'm right. They're like, that's a really good point. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> Feed me. Are you crazy? I'm a baby. Yes. I'm a baby. You know how worthy I am? And so life (laughs) teaches us something Mm. different than to listen to the desires of our heart. Mm. 
Babies listen to the desires of their heart. And so that means that is something you knew when you got here. Mm. And then life taught you to not Uh. listen to the desires of your heart. And then we tell ourselves different things to cope with that. And one of them is, oh, I'm just lazy. Mm. Instead of I'm scared or I'm lonely or I'm anxious. I'm just lazy or maybe I am scared and I am lonely and I am anxious, but I'm stuck in it. Like, like life and the, the harm in life tells us that and pulls us away from our truth. We are motivated by the desires of our heart. Mm. Mm. We just simply are. And so if I'm struggling to connect with the desires of my heart, if there are things that I know I want and yet I am struggling to move towards them, then that is probably something going on within messaging I received about my worth. And I'm now afraid to fight for what I deserve because somewhere down the line, I heard a lie that I didn't actually deserve it. And I just want to be the one person to tell you it's a fucking lie. Mm -hmm. Whoever said it to you, I don't know their story, but it was a fucking lie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I Oh, I almost muted myself. We got a really great comment and it actually goes back to, Courtney, what you were talking about even before we started tonight's stream. Um, Lindsay mm-hmm. says from Facebook, Self-worth has been a big struggle for me, especially in my teens and 20s. My husband still struggles greatly with self-confidence. How do I help my children grow up feeling a healthy self-empowerment and help empower others? And on the screen right now is that question. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, I am a huge believer that children do what they see not what we say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so children are going to be like their parents in whatever way we're presenting. You know what I mean? They're either going to be really striving to be like us or really striving to be opposite of us. And usually even those who are really striving to be opposite, take that to the extreme and then find themselves just in the same vein as their parents. So show your kids how to do the work. Mm -hmm. Show your kids how to love themselves by you loving you, Mm -hmm. by you teaching them about your humanity. So when they grow up, they will recognize I am a human too. I'm not just here for others all of the time. Because as parents, especially, we can fall into that belief that once we bring children into the world, that is our sole purpose. That puts too much pressure on those kids. That's why we have all these parents putting pressure on kids to be amazing because you're asking your kids to take up the torch that you don't have to put down. Mm -hmm. Pick up your own fucking torch. Mm -hmm. Damn. Find yourself, fall back in love with whoever you are and get to moving. It's about like, y'all have seen that meme where like, there's like, there's a boss and the boss is like whipping the people and they're dragging them forward. And then Mm -hmm. the leader is the one helping them all pull the weight and the leaders in the front, that's what real parenting is. It's like, look here. Like sometimes I'll even, as a mom, I'll even speak into a thing. So like I'm someone who can sometimes struggle with time. So like we'll be all flustered. I'm in the car flustered cussing and then I'll say no. (laughs) Courtney, you need to take a breath. You need to catch your, like, find yourself, center. And I'm saying it out loud. My son's in the back at this point. He's used to it. I'm like, (laughs) you're going to be fine. Nothing should be this important that you are going to rush and possibly harm you and your son. Mm -hmm. Anybody can wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You deserve to take care of yourself in this moment. And it's my son seeing me and he saw me flustered. He saw me be a container for it and acknowledge it. He saw me take care of myself. And then he saw me get going again. Mm. And not once did I turn around and say, well, Carter, you need to blah, 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 blah. Because I was able to catch it in myself and take care of myself in that moment. 
I say to my son, especially right now during COVID times, I'm like, hey, honey, mommy has therapy, her own therapy from 10 to 11. Do you have your snack? Are you prepared to take care of yourself upstairs? Because mommy's therapy is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, like. I also don't treat him. I think we also have to, we treat children very um, like, like suspects. Like we don't trust kids. Mm. We have all this like baby proofing and I'm not saying don't baby proof, but I think we have these notions that kids don't have good sense and can't keep themselves safe, mm-hmm. which is laughable based on how adults are out here living. <laughs> Y'all won't even wear a mask. But by all means, the kids can't keep themselves safe. Mm. But what we know is that children learn when they're taught. Mm -hmm. And so teaching my son how to, um, like, take care of himself, how to to see his own worth is about me showing that through my own actions and how I take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also giving him the message that I have no expectations of him except to be kind and courageous and to be honest with me when he when he's safe you know what I mean like I don't have like I don't give a shit what you do with your life like I really really don't Mm. like I want you to find you and love you fiercely Mm. that is my expectation of you Mm. and that you ask me for help if you get lost on the way that's my expectation of you Everything else is a toss-up. Everything else is an adventure, and I can't wait to see when we get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. That's good. I've always thought of parenting as like, I have two jobs. <laughs> One is enforce boundaries before my children are ready to enforce them themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what are things that are really dangerous in the world? Like, open fires and, you know, uh, violent people. I don't know. Whatever. Right. And right. uh and two, to foster a trust based relationship where they'll ask me any question they have. Yeah. And, and there we go. Complete list of parental responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, a lot of people they, they you know we're we're trained to, we're socialized to take ownership over our children's lives and they wonder why they become yeah. adolescents, they don't want to hear from us anymore. Mm. Because right. they're having to learn to be independent because we can give them the opportunity to be independent earlier and sooner with our support, with helping inform right. what is safe and unsafe in the world before they're ready. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So yes. Much. Yes. After 18, you're a consultant at best. <laughs> and what happens is you, we see these adult parents, these parents of adults, just going through all of these manipulative tactics, trying to still be in relationship with their children because the trust wasn't laid in the foundation before they were 18. Mm-hmm. It was judgment. There was persecution. There were expectations. Um, there were disappointments. There was shame. But there was no, like, mm-hmm. trust. And then when they turn 18, they're out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's when they need you. That's definitely when I needed my parents is when I was 18. But I was out here like, I ain't right. shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make it up. We're going to make it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank goodness I'm here today. But gosh, many a time I could have reached back and gotten some guidance mm-hmm. if I felt like I could trust who I was getting the information from. Mm-hmm. Mike and Courtney, mm-hmm. we are at halftime. It is time for ads. Well, you know, the Cozy Robot Show is not possible without the help of our sponsors. And this week, I'd like to tell you about two companies that help make this show possible each and every week. The first is our friends over at BetterHelp. We're talking about uh, mental health journeys. And if you need accessible, affordable, easy-to-access mental health support services, why not think about BetterHelp? Over one million people have taken charge of their mental health with what is the easiest, most convenient way to get mental health support. 
They've got licensed professional counselors who specialize in all kinds of issues that we face in life. Things like sleep issues, anxiety, depression, relationship challenges, anger, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. And BetterHelp is perfectly adapted for this era where social and physical distancing are often still necessary. Because you can connect with your therapist via text, call, video chat, you know, whatever way works best for you at the time that works best for you. And my favorite part, you don't have to find a parking spot because you're doing it right from home or another place that's comfortable to you. So you can get 10% off your first month service by visiting betterhelp.com slash cozy robots. Again, that's 10% off your first month service at betterhelp.com slash cozy robots. I'd also like to tell you about NordVPN. A VPN or virtual private network is a way to encrypt your connection to the internet, hiding your activity not only from your ISP, but potentially from bad actors on the internet. I actually have an IT security background, if you can believe that, and it has only made me more and more paranoid about the internet because I spent decades of my life trying to mitigate the actions of hackers and bad actors. So I understand the importance of having a secure and fast connection to the internet, especially these days. So NordVPN has really fast servers, over 5,000 in almost 60 countries that let you unlock Netflix and other region-locked services by obscuring your point of origin. They've got a cybersecurity suite that can act as an ad blocker. They can accelerate your internet connection with their technology called NordLink. They do no data logging, and they offer 24-7 customer support with up to six simultaneous connections across all the devices that you have as a part of your life, including Windows, Macs, Linux machines, iOS devices, and Android. They've got unlimited bandwidth, so you don't have to worry about that, and peer-to-peer file sharing is allowed. So, for listeners of the Cozy Robot Show, NordVPN has a special gift for their own birthday. Every purchase of a two-year plan will get you one additional month free and a surprise gift. Sound good? All you've got to do is go to nordvpn.com slash cozyrobots and use the code Cozy Robots. You heard that right. NordVPN.com slash Cozy Robots and use the discount code Cozy Robots. I think to start off the second half of the show, I wanted to read a comment from someone, a Cozy Robot who tunes in every episode. She's absolutely wonderful. Priscilla. Uh, Priscilla said, I'm hearing some things I needed to hear for years. Mm. I'm going to allow myself to feel and heal. And I think a lot of people are resonating with uh, this topic tonight. They're, they're resonating so much so, in fact, that some of them are using terms that I, I'm not familiar with. For instance, <laughs> I, they're, a little, they're a little ahead of the game as far as therapy goes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at Ethan Gregory Morrow on Instagram asks... What does self-empowerment look like from a trauma-informed lens? Mm. I would love to know about all of what that is because <laughs> I am I, I hear trauma-informed and I and I get lost. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think um gosh, I think self-empowerment should only be looked at through a trauma-informed lens because Hello. there we go. The thing that usually steals our empowerment is the trauma we've experienced and the message messages we are holding because of that. Um, and so I think self-empowerment looks like owning that it was trauma and that you don't have to explain it to anybody. You don't have to justify it. And you can go as slow or as fast on your healing journey as you feel safe enough to do. Hmm. And mm-hmm. learning how to grace yourself with pendulation. I think a lot of times when we're doing this work or doing our own work, we feel like we just got to like dive into the dirt, like quicksand and then just um, the um, like pull ourselves out. And like, it's right. always a scrap and a, 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 a harm and a fight. And what I have found is some of my most beautiful healing has been done when I rest when I say no, 
when I um, put my music on and go barefoot and stand outside in the sun and just touch Mm. the earth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all have to be this cutting open, this surgical experience. Some of the healing is the fun and the laughter and the cutting up with people that you trust and are safe. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. of that is, and the and that is self empowerment, knowing that I deserve all the pieces of me. Mm-hmm not just rediscovering my trauma and doing that hard work. I do deserve the the freedom of that, but damn it, I deserve to laugh and smile and cut up a Mm -hmm. lot too. Mm -hmm. And I think especially those who are in, you know, marginalized populations who have that ongoing stress. I know for me, I had to decide last year that my joy is going to be part of this new resistance. Mm-hmm. But there are people who don't want me to smile and be happy and for my black son to feel free out here in the world. There are people who don't want that and they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. They're going to get our melanin soaked joy because we're not going to be in fear <laughs> yes. all the time. We're not going to mm-hmm. be broken down by other people's hate all the time. We're going to pendulate between the two truths of the world. And being able to pendulate between being courageous enough to do the work and then giving myself permission to rest and restore and refuel, that is trauma-informed self-empowerment. There is... Oh, sorry, Mike, take it away. I'm going to jump in. Please do. Please do. I just wanted to say thank you Mm. for offering resistance through your joy mm. and modeling that for your son. I felt such warmth right here in my chest as you described all that. It made me feel hopeful. Mm. Uh, yeah. It made yeah. me feel hopeful. And I just, I just had to stop and thank you mm. for creating space for your joy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a new question in live from Ethan. Ethan says, do you have any suggestions for people who are experiencing disassociation, depersonalization, derealization, and are struggling to even entertain the concept of self-love and empowerment? Mm, Yeah. I think recognizing that you need to take your time and not like, I think also things can get um, become high profile. So like Mm -hmm. self love and self empowerment are some of those high profile self care are some of those high profile um, words right now. And so we have to make sure that we are recognizing that self love and self empowerment aren't separate of our struggle. Mm-hmm. So um, part of self-empowerment is being brave and or courageous enough to write that question. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're already on the self-love, self-empowerment journey, being courageous enough to write the question. Mm-hmm. It's not this. I think we like people are like, I like help me build confidence. And I'm like, learn to do things. And be clunky and weird until you're comfortable or more comfortable or never comfortable, but you do it anyway. That's confidence. Hmm. Like we don't have to be a certain way or feel a certain way to all of a sudden pat ourselves on the back and say, now I'm self-empowered. Right. There Mm -hmm. are times where I am fucking it up Mm -hmm. and my self-empowerment is Courtney, you're fucking it up. You might need to call your therapist. You might need to take a break. You might need to cancel a client. You might need to say you're sorry because that one was on you, sis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's part of my self-empowerment journey too. And so when you're struggling with um, dissociation or any type of mental health struggle, you can still have self-love and self-empowerment in that process. Um, With dissociation, it's about trying to stay within your body as much as possible. And what I know is that isn't something that you can do. Like a lot of people are like, help me come back from dissociation. And I'm like, no, let me help you be more in your body in general so that you don't dissociate as much or at all. 
And so mm-hmm. it's the work because once I'm dissociated, like I'm just I'm, I'm I'm dissociated, like I'm I'm activated. And so there is a way to ground and come back into yourself. But the real goal, that's more of like your acute need. The long term goal is how do I learn practices that keep me grounded and centered? How do I get safe enough in me that I can stay there? And part Mm. of that work is also figuring out what makes me feel unsafe in me. And what of that do I need to excavate? Because that was given to me and is not mine. Because Mm. again, I was not born unsafe in me. Mm -hmm. Right. So something is in there, lodged, and I need to figure out what it is. And then I need these other tools to help me ground and center myself so that I can stay in me more. Mm. That is an act of self-love. Choosing to fight to stay in me is an act of self-love. I am a (laughs) world-class dissociator. I mean, just a gold medalist in the sport. Um, If I was on a team, they would have retired my jersey. And uh, everything you just said so matches my personal non-academic experience. Mm-hmm. Of what it's been like to learn new ways of being with myself. And, um, you know, I love that image of like, it doesn't always have to be like major surgery. Mm-hmm. I found that a lot of the things I love most are actually, or not actually, part of them is that they are coping strategies. So when I read a book, I turn into a mainframe computer and I download data as fast as possible. And I'm not in my body. I'm barely aware of myself. You know, I play video games. I can kind of get this numb state, completely unaware of anything. That helps me get away from challenging things. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Do it all the time, though. And I start like having trouble connecting with reality, knowing what's real, what's not real, remembering I exist. Dealing with stress and anxiety gets a lot more difficult in that place because the dissociative patterns deepen. And, uh, Ethan, I just wanted to share uh, this little glimpse of my own life, not because it's instructive for you, but maybe it will be inspirational for you. Um, I water my garden by hand. Why? Well, uh, I use the water hose with my thumb and not with a spray nozzle because I have to like pay attention to how tight my thumb is on the water hose. and I can feel the water trickle down my hand. And I have to watch the soil to see like when it's wet. Not too wet, just wet enough to move on to the next plant. And uh, I feed hummingbirds and I feed birds. And then I sit and I watch them and I don't have my phone. I don't have any devices. And I that was hard for me to do because at first I would feel guilty that I was taking a time away from work and away from family obligations to water plants and watch birds. And I had to decide that I deserved that time away from everything. And here's the funny thing about watching the birds and watering the plants and filling the bird feeders and washing them. During that whole time, I can't ignore my body. Nothing is automatic enough. It all requires a body awareness. And that prevents me from really, if I dissociate, I start you know, filling my shoes with water. <laughs> Truly, like the water hose offers a degree of physical accountability. And uh, what I've found is those times become a little torch I carry back into my normal life. Because I can think of what it's like to feel the water trickle down my thumb. And then I remember that I have a thumb. And that thumb connects to an arm. And before I know it awareness and groundedness starts spreading through my whole person. And listen, the good news is that was only four or five years of practice (laughs) to to have that actually work. Uh, But it wasn't traumatizing practice. It was actually quite pleasant and liberating over time. Oh, yes, that's so perfect. Yes. Water is one of my favorite grounding. It's just Mm -hmm the sound of it, the feel of it. Whenever I'm starting to struggle, the amount of times I washed my hands in COVID and it had nothing to do with COVID Mm -hmm. because I was in the house, but I just needed to feel the water like run through my fingertips to bring me back into my body. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Get a relationship with some water. <laughs> Get a relationship with some water. Mm-hmm. Um, at Junie C on Instagram asks, what do you do to change the rhetoric when you are being too critical of yourself? Hmm. Um, interestingly enough, so I am uh, 38 and so I'm not well-versed in TikTok at all. I don't know how to TikTok, um, but I watch the TikTok compilations. And one of my favorite is the voiceover of Beyonce's voice where it's like, how do you know that? How do you know that's true? Because yes. when we are criticizing ourselves, what are the facts? I used to work at a university and a student would come in and be like, I'm so stupid. And I'd be like, Bruce, if you can show me the facts that you're stupid, I'll agree with you. Mm. You college student who got into college, who are a biochem major, show, show me you're stupid and I'll agree with you. Right. Well, I mean, no, I just got to see on the test. Okay. Then you just got to see on a test. Quit adding on a narrative to one moment incident. Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, stop. for real. <laughs> stop it. Adding a whole story Quit. to just You're adding one. a whole narrative to one thing that happened. One of my favorite books is The Alchemist. And my favorite thing in it is everything that happens is one thing and nothing more. Mm. So wow. you got to see that is a point, that's a sentence in your story. Mm. You failed. You failed. That's a sentence in your story. Mm. Let's not add on narratives. And so when I get, for me, when I get into that self-critical place, you know, for me, it'll be like, oh, you're just, you are not a great mom. And then I'll be like, how do you, like, what facts do I have to prove that? Mm. This amazing, expansive little boy who adores me, you know what I mean? Like, who's healthy and loves himself and, um yeah, like I don't have any facts to prove it. And so my feelings are valid, but they're not facts. And so maybe right wow. now I feel like I'm not being a great mom. And it's okay to feel that way. But that are those are not facts. Mm. And I need to own that it's a feeling. Mm. And quit standing in it like it's concrete and planting myself, rooting myself in that. Because mm. when I'm rooting myself in something that's not true, I have to create a world that sustains it. When I'm in my truth, my truth stands. When I'm rooted right. in my truth, I am standing and unmovable. When I am rooted in falsehoods, I have to keep doing things to keep myself grounded in that because there's a part of me that knows that shit ain't true. Right. Mm. And so now I have to then do things to be a bad mom. Mm. I have to then do things to be a failure. I then have to do things. I now have to create the story to match who I I am. Courtney, why would you come on this show and just attack me? (laughs) (laughs) Call me out like that. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm sitting over here resonating so much. I'm like, not only is the failure a sentence and there's an end to the sentence of the whole story, but also um, people in the comments are saying, yes, rewrite the narrative. Um, People are really resonating with what you're saying, Courtney. And also it's kind of blowing my mind. The thought that if you, if you make a mistake and you, or you're living under um, an assumption of falsity, you, you, in order for you to logically keep going, you have to build this like fake prison in yeah. order for your world to make sense still. Yes. And that's I, awful. <laughs> like I can't believe I am 40, however many years old I am. I don't <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> that I'm that old. And I only now connected that when I'm the most self-critical is when I have those little self-sabotaging behaviors. Because it seems Mm -hmm. like I go through periods where life seems so much easier, and then something will hit me, and I'll get really critical, and then things start going wrong. Yes! Yeah! And I start like... And then when people like, but you're... I'll be like, I'm a total failure. And my friends, coworkers, are like, you're not a total failure, but but look at all these things (laughs) that prove I'm a total failure. Because you're... Wow! And then you're like specifically looking for that too to prove... Oh my gosh, I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. That yeah. really just yeah. resonates so so strongly. Yeah. I do that. I really do that. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to suffer. 
Mm. Damn. It takes a lot of work. Like, what I have found is when people give up suffering, and I'm not talking about pain. We have to do our work. We have to move through our wounds. But we do not have to suffer. I think a lot of people believe Ooh. you have to suffer, that life is suffering. And when you let that go, the amount of energy you have, <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're not doing all the things required to survive suffering, right. like we immediately expand. I watch people expand immediately because they have enough energy to because they're Mm. not in relationship with suffering anymore Mm. i'm just like i don't know her i broke up with her i don't know that courtney who suffers i broke up Mm. with her right we're not doing that Mm. (sighs) wow i'm like taking it in it's resonating with me and it is like it's it's also um I come from uh I went to school for theater and art and um one of the prevailing narratives is as an artist you have to suffer as an mm-hmm. actor as a painter as a sculptor you have to suffer and what you're saying Courtney completely checks out the like work that it takes to suffer mm-hmm. takes away from your art yeah yeah it's I can pretend to suffer for a scene. Exactly. Once I have suffered, I can always recall it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah, I don't yeah. have to stay in it to recall it. I can pretend there you go. to suffer. I can pretend to feel it. I can acknowledge it when I put it on a canvas. I don't have to be in it. There you go. You know what I mean? You things don't have to keep doing... Yeah. The things that have harmed me that I used to suffer... I think I, I still remember them. I still feel something in my body when I acknowledge them. And yeah. I can use that in my art. I can use that in helping people heal. Right. I don't have to be in it. Yeah, you don't and have to open I'm up in the it, wound I actually again. too clouded to really connect with you, honestly. Mm. Like, because I'm committed to being in it. So if I'm in it and then you're trying to mirror me with love and affection and support and kindness, I can't take that shit in. I'm right. suffering over you're here. You're suffering. Do you see me? <laughs> Are you trying to love me? <laughs> right. I am in, in my... Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. I mm. first met Courtney <laughs> at the height of my suffering. Mm. The oh, very height. And... Courtney was helping me learn not to suffer. And that was medicine I did not want. <laughs> I just I wow, did not want any part yeah. of it. Didn't trust it. Suffering mm-hmm. seems so core to my personality. And here's why I mention it. To my art. I don't always identify as an artist, but I do like write books and stuff. And like <laughs> make yeah. media yeah, for a living. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I was concerned... You know, my favorite form of art is talking on a stage. I'm good at it. I'll just be honest. I'm great. If y'all have never seen me on a stage and you haven't because of the pandemic, I am great. (laughs) But what I was good at on stage for a long time and on the page was suffering for an audience, which is really compelling. And I was afraid if I didn't suffer, I would no longer be compelling for an audience and I care about being compelling at audiences so I can create transformation in the world. That's that's kind of the juice for me is, is world transformation. And I kind of, at the height of that suffering, when I decided to accept an invitation toward healing, was when I decided, even if it were true, that I would be less compelling my well-being wasn't an ante worth paying for art. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have followed me for years instead of months or weeks, you'll probably notice like the way I relate in media is very different. Starting a little bit into 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, if you compare what I've done then to what I did earlier in my career, it's very different. And it was that decision that... We, I will stop at nothing to say goodbye to break up with Mike who suffers, including in my public work, mm. and instead accept an invitation into well-being, which does not involve the erasing or minimizing of pain, mm-hmm. but very much involves understanding that I don't have to suffer and continue to suffer and have suffering be 
so core to how I see myself and relate to the world. Courtney, thank you for that lesson. Mm. Whew. Don't don't make me tear up. <laughs> don't do that. No. I feel like on a cloudy, uh, a cloudy with the cats of meatballs too. You get, you get, your you get back up there. You don't you cry? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I. Oh my gosh, I think there's such a difference between when you see someone and you're like, "Oh, I feel that," and when you see someone, you're like, "Oh, I want that," and mm-hmm. that's what I see when people have done their work. When they've yeah. done their work, I want, I'm like, ooh, ooh, what's that? What are they? I'll have one of those, please. I'll have an mm-hmm. order of that fullness, that living life mm-hmm. with joy. And because I think that honors my pain better than any suffering I ever did. Oh, The fact damn. that I stand up and smile and cut up and, you know, dare to love again and, and speak my truth and say that I matter, that mm-hmm. honors my pain. That says, I see what you've been through, sis. Mm. I see what you've been through and you are now here. Good job. Like, you know what I mean? Then the suffering. The suffering was so performative. And and in all honesty, the suffering was a way of me not being accountable. Mm. Because when I'm suffering, it's not my fault. I don't Mm. have any responsibility here. I'm Mm -hmm. suffering. (laughs) And right. everything I create and everything I do in the midst of suffering, y'all are welcome because right. I'm suffering and right. I still produced for you. Yeah. Mm. When mm. I put that down and just let myself be, oh my gosh, oh, the way I could see people mm. and then walk with them and be like, we don't have to do this, but mm. also not judge them while they're doing it. So when you're fighting me on the, I'm going to suffer, I was like, okay. he would give me you know it's mike mike will give you all the all the reasons why he's gonna suffer and i'd be like all right check back in okay yeah (laughs) check back in i don't need to fight you i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show Mm. you Mm -hmm. i'm gonna walk with you and i can't do that if i'm suffering i can't walk with people the way i feel like i've been called to walk with them if i'm suffering Mm -hmm. inevitably i'll do harm Mm. Wow. So yeah. it's part of my professional responsibility to not suffer. Gosh, you know, I, I don't want to belabor it, but I've gotten some feedback from some people in the audience that they miss some of the ways I used to be. Mm. And they couldn't mm. understand why I had to make all these changes in in the show and 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 how I write and, and the things I participate in and all those things. But what I saw so clearly after January was the ways in which being with people in my suffering was causing harm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I'm not, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that my, to myself anymore. And I'm not going to do that to people who follow my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Megan from Facebook says in the comments during this live, I really believed that I was quote unquote deep and quote unquote important by suffering. Mm-hmm. I think, and that, I mean, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's a narrative that gets told to us by like, for instance, the the uh, starving artist narrative is, is one example. But um, it's kind of like you are what what you, Mike, and what you, Courtney, have been saying tonight is. There there are stories that don't have to be told the way that we are we often are told to tell them, wow, that was not eloquent at all. But like sometimes people put stories on us or we want to put a story on ourselves and it feels good or it's comfortable and safe, but mm-hmm. but really we can break out of it. Um, Courtney and Mike, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Wow, time flies. I know. Time so really fun. flies when you're having when you're not suffering. <laughs> I didn't suffer <laughs> once during this episode. <laughs> yes. Well, Courtney, thank you for being here. Uh it just did me so much good just to see your face and hear your voice. Grace, as always, thank you for uh making the show progress and happen and 
and keeping track of all of the chat that's happening in real time. By the way, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can be a part of the live experience that happens Monday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern at CozyRobots.com slash watch. And I know you are all going, oh, my gosh, I adore Courtney. Where mm-hmm. can I learn more? So I have great news for you. If you head over to Instagram and follow at Courtney Leak LCSW, you can keep up with what Courtney's doing all the time. You can also check out her TEDx Greenville talk titled, titled Woke and Well on YouTube. And of course, you can visit her website to find that YouTube video and learn more about her at CourtneyLeakLCSW.com. And don't worry, I know you don't want to remember all those things, you can click the notes right below this video or podcast notes if you're listening, and those links will be there in the notes right now. So tap, visit immediately. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow and like on social channels. And the Cozy Robot Show, as always, has been brought to you by the most talented and supportive team in the entire world. So I'd like to thank each and every Cozy Robot. Thanks for making the show possible. And I will see you in just 15 minutes for the after party on our Discord. If you'd like to join us, go to CozyRobots.com. You can learn how. The show's been produced by Tanner Hearn, Victory Palmazano, and Greg Nordine. Music by Madison and Macy McCarg. Production support by Amy Hill. Social media management and program co-host Grace Vaughn. Design by Sydney Smith, motion graphic design, Landon Satterfield, set design, Jesse Lane Interiors, wardrobe stylist and craft services, Jenny McCarg. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to talk with you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Cozy Robot Show.